strapped in the trenches Making moves going all out Every day handle business You know that the hustle don't stop Got my team, let's get it Reviewing books and talk stocks Steady keep it moving So you gon' wanna tune in Get Lowdell, it's an app Get local food on demand Delivery right to your home Everything in the palm of your hand Took hard work and dedication Come through, join the conversation This is history up in the making We just wanna be an inspiration Hey, let's go Welcome to another boot episode of Bootstrapped in the Trenches. This one is called Attention to Details as a winning formula. We will be rocking into the book, the Cartier's book, which is a history of the family jewel empire. But uh, And we'll also actually have Dan Sands, the power attorney, on in about 45 minutes. But before that, we will be going through, we want to make sure Corey gets his food for thought in because he has business calls that he has to get to. But uh, before that, let's get to our usual current events with Dan and what went down with food last night with the Sunday night food coma. Corey, start with you with the food coma last night. Um, so last night, Sarah made stuffed bell peppers, which was relatively healthy, but um, mm. it was awesome. Just stuff with uh, meat, potatoes, mushrooms. They were really good. But then I just went and rice also and I just went ham after I had cereal I had she also made like strawberry shortcake dessert I've been going really hard with dessert yeah Um, (laughs) she's getting your fat Corey I love it yeah man it's it's a problem um but yeah that that was pretty much and then I kicked it off I ended the night with some cereal and yeah started healthy again today so that's what I'm at uh the shredded wheat with the frosting mini yeah frosted mini wheats those are great very underrated such an underrated cereal and what's going on tonight tonight um i think chicken and vegetables just pretty boring but uh, i have to switch it up after all this dessert yeah i feel you the monday night mole yeah i feel you dan last night just uh we had this pasta dish that was just pretty simple but pretty good you know like roasted tomatoes and garlic and pasta and all that tonight i think i'm gonna order indian for delivery even indian yeah i think it's pretty good i mean I've, I've gotten it a handful of times i definitely like it i found a spot that that crushes it and yeah i had it also thursday night and um yeah indian Wow. What about you, Mike? I went hard last night. I actually got groceries and ended up just going to town last night on making a bunch of like peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, turkey sandwiches. I had cereal also, checks. I think I went through the whole box of corn checks uh, <laughs> this afternoon. They're great. <laughs> I love corn checks. Uh, Who's like, yeah. I, I just want to know, like when you're walking through the grocery store and you see all those great cereals, how do you get yourself to be like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to go with checks. I've always like, that's checks. such a settle. I've always been a huge fan of checks, rice checks, corn checks, wheat checks. <laughs> they have cinnamon checks now. It's great. Um, mm, but yeah, very underrated cereal. Uh, yeah. I went on a lot of that really last night, really just grocery stuff. And I don't know what I'm going with tonight, actually. I've got to go hard in the paint with something. I might have to go breakfast for dinner. I've kind of had that craving lately again. I really need to find an on-demand dumpling chef is the reality. <laughs> That's where we're really at, guys. It, it's crazy. I haven't had cereal in about five years. And this quarantine, I've ate it like at least three days a week. It, it's, it's great. Just, it's it, You know, it's a comfort food, Corey. I think that's what it is. Yeah. It makes you think when you're confined in a space, it makes you think of school. So it's like, oh, I need to eat cereal. It's like I'm going back to school. <laughs> yeah. That makes uh, sense. Yeah. Damn, what do we have for current events? Current events. All right. Well, the first thing. Obviously, rest in peace to Jerry Stiller, passed away at 92 years old today. Most people know him for playing George Costanza's father in Seinfeld, but he also is in a ton of other stuff and obviously just a legend in the entertainment industry. So, moment of- he was the father in that. He was a the comedy duo with uh, yeah. what was her name, Maud? His wife, right? Uh, yeah. And yeah, Ben Stiller, he's Ben Stiller's dad, so he has yeah. that 
to his name too. Yeah, yeah and he made that uh, brief appearance. He was uh, his the dad in Zoolander yeah, as well. Yeah, you guys remember? He was uh, yeah, Mari Ballstein. <laughs> yeah, that was a great <laughs> Mari Ballstein. I love the character. Yeah, he was something. I was just actually watching a couple of clips of him with uh, with Kramer. It was yeah. great. One of the best quotes of all time came from that movie with him. It was like, he's like, what do you do when you fall off the horse? And then uh, Derek said something ridiculous. And he's like, well, you get back on. <laughs> the, whole, the whole scene there is just amazing. One of the, my favorite yeah. quotes from I might have to watch that movie tonight, just uh, in honor of him. And wow. it's like one of the greatest movies ever. Yeah, uh, the other thing. Yeah. So the other thing is and i i don't know the pr- pronunciation here so but this has been something that's been going on for the last couple weeks but that ahad arberry i don't know if i'm pronouncing that right i'm sorry if i'm not but he was the guy who got murdered in georgia and at first there was like no charges and it was these two white guys that killed a black guy who's like running around his neighborhood yeah, and what was it he was jogging yeah, and the guys Gregory McMichael and his son Travis McMichael, they got charged for the murder since our last podcast, and you know it's it's, uh, it's definitely something major that has happened in the last week. I know that we're like talking about news and whatnot. They were the guy was actually an, a former policeman, the guy who killed him, and with his son, such such crazy shit, but. You guys got any thoughts on that? Yeah, did you guys see the video? Yeah, I did. Yeah, it was uh, it's pretty crazy, just sad, especially with everything going on, just <laughs> I think making everyone depressed. Yeah, it's sad. It's unfortunately not shocking. I, I uh, think the world we live in, there's people have, you know, certain prejudices and it, it's impossible because what frustrates me is the whole oh, like, what if we all wear this or do this? It's like, it's not about how it, someone looks in that way. It's a subconscious thing. So I feel like there's way more layers to that than just like, oh, let's all wear this and start this movement with hashtags. It's way deeper than that. That's the problem. Like, so it, it's hard to just have an actual answer here because, you know, I, I feel like it's a very complicated situation for why these things happen. And that's what annoys me all the time is hearing when people get outraged. I get the outrage, of course, on the end end of black people, for sure. Walking around and being scared of like the notion of, oh, just because I'm black, this could happen. We don't know what that's like at all, but more just the notion of people thinking there's ways we could just fix that off of like a movement is ridiculous. So uh, that's where I don't know what the answer is to that, but it's way more of a underlying, like larger issue with the way people just feel about things off of culture and environmental upbringings and education, unfortunately. Yeah, big time. Yeah, I mean, you'd like to think that, and I don't actually know the statistics behind this, so this might not be accurate, but... I know there's been some stumbles throughout time, just like with anything else, but it seems like we are on somewhat of a positive trajectory for where we've come from in that sense versus where we're going. When you're talking about racism and acts of violence towards racism, I mean, am I right in saying that, that like we've come a long way in our world when it comes to that and we're nowhere near perfect we have a long ways to go but you would think that if we continue in the direction we're going and again right now it seems like we've kind of had a setback i think a lot of that's because of just what's going on politically not with the coronavirus but just going from obama being president to then trump being president it's just such a sharp contrast but i I, you would think like in 50 years from now racism doesn't exist at all I don't, like, I, mean, that's I don't a, think the switch in presidency really changed any outlook of most people. We just thought, like, as a society, people assumed when Obama was in president, oh, racism's not as big of a thing anymore, when the reality is it was as big of a thing as ever, and Trump just shines light on that because he's Trump. 
Well, so, no, I'm actually I saying the opposite. I'm saying the opposite. I think I'm saying what you're saying, but I'm saying when Obama became president, uh, there was a lot of people out there that didn't agree with that, and it might have actually caused an increase in racism, even though our country at a time seemed like it was heading the other direction and people were becoming less and less like that. And then when Trump became president, it almost gave those people, it like empowered them to come out and act the way they were feeling. But regardless, I'm more saying if you just skip over both presidencies and you kind of just not skip over, but look at it as like a dip, kind of if you were to like compare it to just you know a chart like right now things are just not going well with that but it seems like overall throughout time it's way better than it was like when you know in the 60s for example oh, or in the i mean yeah, yeah. You know, so and no even about the jim crow it's one of those things like you know there's no doubt racism is still awful in no, of course, but yeah, I just, I, I just kind of think that in the future it won't even exist, and it might not be in our lifetime, but at least I hope. But you would think there will be a day where racism is no longer a thing at all, and even in like the deepest part of the southern states and things like that. I could be really ignorant saying that, but that's just. I mean, that opinion. would be great. I, I don't know when that. I don't see how that happens anytime soon, but. Yeah, it's but a tough thing to just—it's an environmental thing a lot of times with people. Yeah, and upbringing as well, your surroundings, and yeah. and that's what kind of over time you cycle through generations. Like when you think about it, there are still people that are parts of families that you know own slaves. Like the, some people are still alive that were involved in that and were you know young boys when that was happening. And so it, that's the scary thing. Yeah, so well, no, died off completely. Well, yeah, but I'm more saying that like a 12 year old right now is so far removed from slavery, even if they have a grandpa or great grandpa that's still alive that was heavily involved in that. And that's where like, if you kind of keep going forward when that guy's a grandpa, that, that's where I just think at some point, it just doesn't even exist. But yeah, I mean, I think it'll always somewhat exist. I think it'll definitely just keep declining. Um, but yeah, as these older generations kind of die off, yeah, that those, their older thoughts, you know, won't exist anymore. But right now they might still be hammering home at their beliefs to their 12 year old grandchildren. It's just like, it's hard to say, but it'll definitely continue to decline. To decline. Yeah. It, uh, it's hard to imagine it completely gone one day. That would be yeah. cool. I, I don't know if that's like actual, actually possible. Yeah, I mean, who knows? But yeah, on to the next thing. The uh, I, I wanted to watch it. I didn't get a chance to see it, but the UFC fought on Saturday, which I thought was like a pretty big breakthrough in where we're at with everything because and that's considered that didn't end up fighting. So yeah, exactly. And I know. And again, I didn't even watch it, but I saw that. Um, Joe Rogan ended up doing like he was there doing what he normally does. And he's definitely someone who I know at least early on, I haven't been following him the last few weeks and I haven't been seeing like what his opinions have been on the coronavirus, but at least a few weeks ago, he was very much afraid of going out and doing this type of thing. So, you know, it's good to see that that happens. That's definitely like the first sign of sports kind of starting to make their way back. I also saw something that the MLB looks like they're going to start having games again, starting around July 4th, even though they're not going to have fans at the games. So, you know, uh, hopefully things continue to head in that direction. I think well, they yeah, but then you saw the Fauci thing about the NFL where football could be a disaster. Yeah. Contact. I, I did see that, but then like you wonder how much control or say he really has when it comes down to them because like how that's not much different than any other sport except really baseball. And you know, I, I think like, it's way different though, because of the actual like physical contact on that next level. So what about basketball? I mean, yeah, I, I don't know if basketball is legit either. I think baseball is legit. Yeah, baseball, it, golf, tennis. I mean, there's going to be yeah. some sports. That, yeah, I, yeah, there's going to be some sports that start to come back. Um, yeah, I get what you're yeah, saying, yeah. though. Like, yeah, football, I, I when they mean, released that, it just seemed too normal. It, it didn't really make sense. Like, they released a schedule. Everything seemed to be the same. And 
it just doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, like, well, it's it, probably it's still like a little bit far out where they don't need to like quite make the decision if they're going to postpone it or cancel it. Whereas like baseball's on the clock, hockey, yeah. like these other organizations right now are midseason. NFL is the only one who hasn't actually had to miss out on anything yet. I'm sure they will, but yeah, you know, it's been convenient with the timeline when this has happened compared to like when the NFL is in season. It's like, yeah, exactly. That'll be interesting. The NFL, it's just kind of iffy with the whole, also the time of the year where it's going to be heading back into cold weather. I could see the NFL there being some red flags like early in the season if it starts. Yeah. They're also saying how it's just such a shame with baseball, like bars and, and restaurants around stadiums, like especially in the Bronx, um, they're just going to get no business at all with no fans um, being allowed to go. They're just going to be dead. A yeah, lot of I wonder survival of the games. Yeah, maybe they'll have games with no people there, and we could take advantage of the delivery aspect with those restaurants. With yeah. you know, bring, if we can get in the liquor game and cracker jacked. Yeah, uh, and then um, the last thing is, did you guys see that? It sounds like Elon Musk is going to shut down his factory in California and move it to either Texas or Nevada just because they're giving him so much shit about reopening. That guy, yeah, yeah. Him playing chicken with them. I'm sure he is, but like I think he'll go through with that if they don't if they don't do what he exactly what he wants. I've been loving that guy the last few weeks. He's just been coming out firing on all cylinders. He's the yeah, man. He's firing on all cylinders. I know, yeah, but it's just whatever like, he wants. Yeah, I guess you're right. This isn't like anything new. It's just he's been so, you could tell, angry the last few weeks, and it's pretty funny. Yeah, because he moved away. He moved to America to get away from what's been going on. Yeah. So, you guys, I mean, the other thing, I I don't know why. I've been following, like, the social restrictions or, like, when they're planning on reopening stuff in New York. I'm obviously living in Charleston and things are starting to reopen like this, like patios starting last week are open now at like restaurants where you can go eat at patios that started last week. And then starting today, restaurants are, and bars, like they're all able to be 50% occupant. I think all businesses are able to be open now with like 50% occupancy. And they like reopen the beaches and stuff like that. We were going around like kind of like just walking around this weekend and stuff and like shit was packed. It was crazy. Interesting. It'll be inter- yeah. It'll be interesting to see, you know, if there's a huge spike in cases down here because I was out and about and people were out drinking like this didn't, it was crazy. It was, yeah. Like people had no yeah. care in the world, man. I mean, New York definitely, <laughs> I think it's going to be opening up soon again. That's the vibe we're getting. Really? Yeah. We should have found yeah. out on the, we'll find out on the 15th. Uh, but they, they opened up some more restaurants downtown and in Times Square. And I saw a Jersey actually open Jersey's opening their beaches on Memorial day, which should be interesting. I'm assuming everyone will crowd the beaches and a lot of people from New York will probably head there because New York beaches will be closed. So that should be interesting. It's time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and once it opens, in my opinion, at least, even if there's like a spike, I don't see how they're going to be able to go back to shutting things down. They're going to have to just kind of like deal with it. And I I don't, again, that might not be true at all. They might plan on shutting down. I just, I can't imagine them shutting down again. That would cause such like chaotic riots in the streets. I feel like, like people did not, people didn't do well during the shutdown. I don't think. Like if this was an experiment, it I don't think most people would have passed. I think this was like a complete failure for majority of people in terms of like the way they handled it. And, you know, I I, I don't think they're gonna be able to go back to this. Yeah. Yeah, fingers crossed. Yeah. So that's uh that's my news for the week. Hope you enjoyed it. Corey, <laughs> for thought. Yeah, so today I figured we'd talk about um as the uh the whole COVID situation is ending. Hopefully, I just wanted to go over some food preservation hacks uh, during the pandemic, but also in general that you can do to save food and make your food last uh, longer. So a lot of it has to do with vegetables. Um, so if you actually wrap your greens in paper towels, that will keep it fresh longer for 
almost three weeks. So if you have wow. any spinach, lettuce, just wrap it in paper towels. It absorbs the moisture and keeps it fresh. Um, also on the vegetable note, when they're starting to go bad, it, you should just roast them. When you roast them, they're still good to eat and you know you don't waste them at that point. So that's another hack, just roast I, your vegetables. Yeah, and then also you could freeze your produce. I didn't know this one, but just as your produce is going bad, just put it in the freezer. You could use the bananas uh, to bake bread. You can use it in smoothies, but this way you don't have to throw them out. Uh, let's see what else. Uh, this, this one is interesting. You can actually freeze milk for up to three to six months, uh, but you have to use the right container because if you, it will expand. So if you use the current milk container that you have, you have to pour a little bit out or else it will explode. And what, then you could keep it in the same container? Yeah, if you pour a little bit out, you can keep it in the same container. If not, just put it in a larger container and then you can freeze it and your milk can last you three to six months. Just take it out and you can defrost it and yeah, you're good to go. Wow. But yeah, I mean, the theme of, of this week, food for thought is just not to waste anything, preserve your food. Um, you can even save vegetable peels. You can use it in like a bone broth or, or a soup stock and things like that. So don't throw your food out. Think about it before you do it. And, um, you know, save your food. You can always use it in some sort of way. And that is Just food for thought. Thank you. No problem. <laughs> it's, uh, you have to get to those Alaska calls. What time is it? Yeah. Fuck. All right. I will catch Thanks, you guys Corey. later. No problem. Sounds good. Talk to you later. later. See you later, man. So, yeah, Dan, I, how'd you feel about that Cartier book? You know, I didn't get to finish reading it, but I mean, it was a whole. It was like the Museum of Natural History of books. Yeah, I mean, what did you think about it? I thought it was really interesting. I, I thought the woman. It was just wait to me. It was too detailed. It was almost like it wasn't meant to be. It shouldn't have been marketed the way it was as a book, because it seemed more like a encyclopedia of the family where yeah. it belonged in literally an encyclopedia where it was like sectioned <laughs> off from, you know, their whole history from like, you know, a whole almost a hundred year span of her talking about like specific events within the family. Really trying to get you to know the family. It was almost like it was weird because when I was reading it, it kind of made me think of our family because they're talking yeah. about these three brothers a lot. And, you know, we're, we're a family business and to be able to read that was kind of, it was a unique comparison that like, we don't get to read about that often. It was There's not a lot of, yeah, not a lot of businesses out there like family businesses, but that's almost more like an industry. Like the jewelry industry is just it such is. a different ballgame. It was just yeah. cool though, like some of their mindsets, you know, like the never copy only create. But when you think about it, like that was the motto from early on of the dad who started it all. And it was just, but they were copying things from different industries and periods of time for their designs. It was just, they were not about copying people in their industry. So I thought that was interesting because we always talk about reverse engineering and reverse in innovation. And I think we're big on that all the time over the years where we're not ever trying to copy someone that's in our space, but we like to take ideas from other businesses in different spaces whether it's in present day or history. Yeah. So, so they'd like take like different forms of art and kind of like incorporate it in their jewelry and yeah. just in a way where it wasn't copying, but it's like using influences yeah. from other. Yeah. And the bet, like the best is good enough where it was like them, like showing up and like giving it their all was good enough. Cause it was like, Oh, we're doing like, this is as good as it is. So I thought that was a cool motto where it's just like, okay, well, yeah this is the bar we're setting is excellence. It's good enough. And it was just cool seeing like the different marketing, like seeing over the years, the different actresses like Elizabeth Taylor and then like the duchesses and Royal people that would rock these things like these Indian. It just was cool visuals thinking about these like Indian princes and royalty showing up and like becoming a client of the Cartier's where it's like us trying to get a big restaurant group or something, but on a different level. It's like recording like these insane people worth like that would be down to spend millions of dollars in today's equivalents. 
it's kind of an insane industry. Like it, it kind of reminds me a little bit about the um, Adam Sandler movie that we watched a couple it's months it. back. Yeah, I know. Um, what was that movie called? Something Diamond. Yeah, 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 the whole showmanship of it too. Yeah, like even the having them like had models like showing in the back room, like doing a walk around with the jewels on, and yeah. like their employees would like give them their advice and be like, "Oh, well, they have to do this. This doesn't look good at this angle." They pay attention to detail. That's why I wanted to call it that for this episode. I think that's what separates the Cartiers and that jewelry yeah. line. And when you think about it, it's like how real meticulous they were with everything. So yeah. all the, way the design, the marketing of it, the publicity, the like where they even opened up shop, where they weren't reckless. It's kind of like us talking about where we're launching markets. So that's where there really were a lot of analogies. Yeah, no, 100%. And, you know, back on the client front, it's, it's crazy to like imagine the types of clients that those types of companies have that aren't like the normal type people like princes and you know in our world celebrities and things like that but when you like land a client in the jewelry business it's just a such a different type of experience because the amount of money that they're able to spend and what they're really looking for it's kind of incredible when you think about it it's like a even bit of the trade shows like they weren't a big thing and they caught that break with like one of the duchesses being able to like be at the centerpiece so it was like, you know, a today's day and age of like being at the right place at the right time, getting the right partnership. When you it, think about it, like everyone had to start somewhere. So we see these big brands like Cartier, where you see them in every big city in the world. And we're like, oh, they're a behemoth. It's like, well, they weren't. Yeah. Like, no, you're, cool, you know? Yeah, no, you're dead on. Like they land that first big person that's like almost equivalent to like a sponsor. Yeah. Yeah. And equivalent to a client, depending on what line of business you're in for us, it's like a restaurant or for us, it's a restaurant group or possibly Indiana athletics, having us power their basketball yeah. stadium for ordering for someone else. It's, you know, having an athlete rock your shoe. If you're wearing a shoe company, exactly. like, like that. Yeah. your own luck. Like we always talk about that. And Jake Udell will be coming on our good buddy on in a few weeks where it's like when you constantly work, and put yourself out there, you create opportunities. It's not like it's lucky. It's like, oh, well, it's a numbers game because you're just doing all these things. Isn't that a funny thing that the more you work, the more breaks seem to happen. That, and that's working at first hand in our business now, right? Like, yeah. like that energy seems to just culminate and it's not a coincidence. We Doesn't see it? that with the last dance with Jordan when it was like, you saw that in the yet last night's episode where he was, when he lost that year, he came back because he wasn't, you know, fully back yet. It was like he came back late in the season. He went back into that offseason when he was filming Space Jam. They built up that whole that was so for him. Yeah, and he's just hitting it. And you could tell it was like that next year he swept right through the magic. The last night, those, yeah, those two episodes were definitely like, in my opinion, the best two that they put far. out. Yeah. The Space Jam thing was incredible. Like how the different athletes would come to like play Jordan at Warner yeah. Brothers Studios. That must have been such a cool thing back in the day when like Reggie Miller was talking. He's like, Yeah, those were some of the best games we've ever played. You can imagine yeah. these guys just like really balling out, probably betting tons of money on the games. Maybe not, who knows? But if it's Jordan, like you would just think so. It was like great action. And it was that was when Jordan was coming back for his three-peat again. Yeah. Yeah. So, no, it's, uh, watching Jordan, it's been it's been awesome. It's been a sick documentary. Love it. It has. I mean, yeah, he's one of those guys that's just, you know, you never really I want there to be like 50 more episodes. Like he's just those dudes, you never get enough of them, you know. What are there? Are there two more? Yeah. Well, no, I think just one more, uh, like two more episodes, but just that's it Sunday. The yeah. But no, it's been good without a... all the sports having something like that, you know? Oh, it's been amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, just seeing the whole, the Scotty Pippen thing where he didn't go back in the game, that, that was so insane. 
I know. I've been learning so much about Scottie Pippen and like when Jordan punched Steve Kerr in the face. I kind of yeah. knew that. I knew Jordan punched somebody in the face during practice, but I didn't know it was Steve Kerr. I mean, that was and... the one they talk about. I feel like Jordan punched everyone in the face at some point. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. But uh, yeah, it's funny because you could totally tell which guys are not you I, I actually can't tell it's tough to tell if these guys like jordan or not like i know yeah, scotty pippen I, I know scotty pippen loves him but yeah. um bro, what's his name bj armstrong i got the vibe that he does not really like jordan steve kerr steve, steve kerr i think like obviously has a ton of respect for yeah. jordan uh, bj armstrong said it best there or no it wasn't bj armstrong it was that other guy who was like that really nice dude i forgot his name he said it best he was like if you didn't really love basketball no that not was bj armstrong if oh, you, it was. Yeah. If you didn't have a love of the game yeah yeah like if you were just there for a career like you would not like jordan because he was out there just grinding on you jordan yeah. reminds me of like like what matt pangio was when he was like eight years old in terms of like the way he would be on the ice with his teammates just flipping the fuck out if things weren't going his way you know what i mean yeah Yeah. but it was it was funny with jordan how like and then he'd be like cool off the court for sure very cool wasn't like that like kobe off the court was not like anything with the players until like later in his career jordan was like the man yeah, it almost seemed like Jordan, like, you know. Yeah. It was well, like, yeah. he loved it. He loved well, just being around and doing stuff. And, dude, where Jordan's just the man is – it. Uh, you kind of get the vibe when you watch Jordan. Like, he wrote his own path. He figured everything out on his own. So it's almost like – he evolved into a leader just because he knew he needed to be in order to like get to that next level where these other guys from the time they're so early, they have a certain role model that they latch onto and they try and be just like them. So Kobe, like not meshing with guys outside the game or outside the locker room, if that was the case, he, I would assume like probably thought that's how Jordan was. And was just yeah. like, Oh, that's just like how you got to be. You know, where... He had no idea based on no social media or any of that. Yeah. No play playbook and jordan kind of like invented the playbook that's the vibe i got yeah he did and it was just nuts the whole baseball thing like how he had a 13 game hitting streak kind of hearing about how the only reason he started at double a was because they couldn't handle the media at a lower level than that so yeah it wasn't like he was just naturally supposed to start at double a baseball do you uh it was remarkable do you believe the whole thing with like him not actually needing to step away from base basketball because of the laws? Like I knew they tried to throw that in there and Jordan was like, yeah, that absolutely. I believe, I don't think he was suspended by the NBA by any means, but I do think there was something his, the dad's that death thing does not, you know, I don't it know. Probably, it probably made, you're saying it probably made Jordan want to like step away from the game. Yeah. And I don't yeah. know the whole, what was behind his death. Like they played it off in the movie in, in the documentary, like it was nothing. Yeah, obviously, but you know, but that, that was a that very much to, that was a talked about topic a lot back in the day, where like people thought it was like you know people repaying a gambling debt and going after his Uncle debt. Al, who's you know we he lived next to Luke Longley. Yeah, he, he'd be the he'll tell you flat out like straight to your face. Yeah, he definitely that was all gambling related but based on and not that luke longley has anything to do with this but based on the timeline luke longley wasn't even on the team when that happened right he was on the team right when he came back but more just yeah. like he was around like his buddy golfed with them al always has been adamant that was the case i don't know if he has any proof though it's all yeah proof. I feel like that was definitely like a hot take in Chicago when that happened. That's like what everybody was saying. Yeah. I, mean, that, I remember hearing that when I was a teenager. For sure. No, so. same. Yeah. So, uh, all right. Well, tell me about this guy that we're bringing on. So we're bringing on Dan Sands, who I met through Paul, uh, his good buddy. He is a private equity general counsel and partner. So Dan has a legal background and Basically, he's had like he's been he's been power of attorney for guys that own strip clubs. He was a commercial litigator and partner at a law firm in Florida. Uh, he's transitioned from that to what he does now is investing in cannabis, which he's actually enjoying. 
you know, he, but I definitely hear his uh, story again about representing a strip club as an attorney. I'm sure, you know, when you think about me and you, we've had a lot of experience with having to have contracts for our business and the law is written, like the world's written on law. So yeah. it's always, I'm always fascinated by like when you're growing up, ha like wanting to dive into that field. Like when you talk about extensive reading and just a lot of tedious shit, it's getting a law degree. So Dan, I believe, is 30 years old or 31. Yeah, man, it was crazy. So Danny, like one of Danny's best friends who lives in Fort Lauderdale, she came down to stay with us this weekend and she's a public prosecutor in Fort Lauderdale. And t like hearing about the way it, it works was just insane like she was just telling me you know how many cases she has to go through in a given day and how hard it is to actually prosecute anybody when you're a public prosecutor in a trial because of the jurors especially in like a place like fort lauderdale where she was just saying it's like you know all you need is one person on the jury who just you know wants to not have this person be guilty and they don't even necessarily know what the penalty is going to be. Everyone just assumes that if someone's guilty, they're going to prison. So she's like, it's like, it, it was insane. Cause it's, it sounds like she, it's made her discouraged from being in law. Cause she's just like, you know, the people you deal with the whole thing. And obviously she's literally a prosecutor in criminal law. It just sounds brutal, but it was cool hearing her talk about it. It was really cool. actually. do it anymore. Yeah, it is. And she was talking about, you know, the next step at this point would either be to start her own practice or to try and get a job, which isn't that easy because to try and get a job, if unless you're going to just be like an, a secretary, it's basically well, no, cool about what Dan's going to be talking about, you know, like going from like being someone's attorney to then being able to invest in different businesses. So yeah. I think that's what's cool about having that to, like foundation you can make a lot of money and then pick spots once yeah, you put in your what law school did he go to i believe he went to he went to a school in florida uh i don't know if it was florida atlantic or we'll gotcha. find out from him. cool maybe yeah. miami but I, somewhere down there but yeah he grew um, in florida. and yeah he's a fun guy you, uh, Definitely. what's up you doing any moves in the market I actually started dabbling with day trading a bit today. What, what were you doing? Just uh, getting my feet wet. I was talking to Bob a bit. Uh, Bob being our father for those listeners who uh, had extensive Wall Street background from his career. Uh, I bought a little Boeing when it was nice. in the 28, uh, 128.80 range. Bought a little plug today. And then, and then you resold it? Not yet, because it didn't hit for me to sell. Like ALDN, I bought at 208.80 and then sold it at 1350. Yeah, like I was down on the stock, so I sold off a lot that I bought at a higher rate. So naturally, it works out because my average price is lower and it helps me reduce less taxes. Yeah, I've been kind of doing the same thing a little with a couple stocks like Penn well, National. Penn. Yeah, I was going to do yeah. that with Pat. It didn't hit the limit today. But yeah, man, it's been cool doing that. Um, catch it in Alaska, Corey. It sounds like just solidified for us. There we go, Dan. We were actually there, our family, a few years ago, a long time ago. So we uh, are. Corey solidified that Catch It Can Alaska restaurant. Interesting. That'll be. That's a wide open territory for us. Yeah, we'll see what happens with that restaurant. There's a, but yeah, that'll be nice. Good stuff. Yeah. Very exciting times. Yeah, um, I was, uh, I even was doing that with uh, Spirit Airlines today between. I bought 50, 50 shares at, uh, what was it? 20, I was, 20 or 10, 16. I got uh, in. At, when it was at 220 and then out at 245 and then back in at 220 or 1020 sorry 1020 yeah 1020 to 1045 
like when it would hit 1020, I'd buy. When it would get to 1045, I'd sell. And I, I was able to do it twice. And then at the right. way end of the day, when I bought it again at 1020, it just kind of stayed there. So I sold it at 1020 because I didn't want to like go into close with the amount that I had. And I guess that's nice. percent uh, average price of 1017. Dude, I'm long a huge position on Penn, but I was had too much at that point and needed to. Or never mind, we're talking about spirit. No, I, I mean yeah. I have like a decent amount, not too much. Penn, I saw it high today, uh, hundred shares, so that was good. Dude, I love that company long term. Them and DraftKings. Yeah, I haven't touched DraftKings yet, but yeah, it's good. Yeah, I just think that gambling is going to become more and more legal in all these states because these states are going to need to recoup money from mm -hmm. everything going on and those two companies seem to be at the forefront of it without a doubt i i agree i mean i sold off my mgm the other day but got that big position on zillow that's looking nice hopefully that keeps cruising I also get the vibe that like the market's like trying to possibly like fold over. Like I'm worried at any day it's going to be like just down massively. It seems like things have just been so giddy. Yeah. And then today, the way it closed, it almost seemed like the way it closed was like it was starting to fold over. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. We'll say. Uh, yeah. Rosenfeld. Uh, yeah. Rosenfeld. What's going on? We're getting shot on the podcast, Dan, in a few weeks. Nice. Yeah. That'll be awesome. Yeah. Sean and I were in Italy and Amsterdam together. Esther Rose. I remember that. You told me. Yeah. He's you great. Got real stoned in Amsterdam. Oh, man. We were taking like weed naps. So it was hysterical. That's the way to do it. <laughs> I first started smoking marijuana. So it was like that time where you have like marijuana. No yeah. Where you're getting giddy smoking a joint and it's like knocked out for hours. <laughs> yeah i remember i was in the heineken factory like drinking four beers throughout the door hitting mom and dad up on this video like hey what's up i'm feeling buzzed from answering <laughs> i was like oh you're enjoying yourself mike and then and then mom and dad took jeff there for his high school graduation they did so yeah you gotta get out of there there he is. He, Sean remembers. Yeah, I know, great. man. I, I, it sucks. That I've never been there. I do have to get out there. Well, that's like, like, yeah, that seems like that's like a post-corona trip for sure. Oh, pay us to go out there now. Delta, that's the least they can do for me. I know, seriously. Um, where's Mister Fans? Well, as soon as he pops up on here, I'll add him. Did you, did you t let him know that you sent him the link? Yeah. All right. Let's see what he has to say. About to get him on here. Yeah, nice. But yeah, man, it does kind of feel like the energy is starting to come together with our business. Like things it's are going fucking. Well, I think it helped that we moved. That was a big starting point, Dan. We got, yeah, 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 no, I think you're right. Switched up the surroundings. It's been, I'm still uh, not sold in a place, but that's a whole other story. It's all right. You know, you don't need to be in a place. Bottom line exactly. is, you, you are where you are, you know? Yep. Paul's been the man with letting me be based here. Thank you, Paul, yeah. and Kristen, for uh, being flexible too with that. So I'll be able to be here for you know a few weeks. Yep. Damn, we'll be coming to North Carolina soon. Fuck yeah! Did you uh, finish the Hollywood show? I did. Great show. I that. Yeah, I like that show a lot. It was cool. It was like yeah. a different different spin on like the way things are done out there. It was really funny yeah. actually because great. you all ran. Watch the old dude that smoked he was, a lot of cigarettes. He, he was so funny, and yeah. you always hear about like how so many people in Hollywood seem like they're you know in the closet and secretly swing both ways or swing the other way. And it was it was cool like having a show about that side of things instead of like a show about like the female side of things and them doing dirty stuff. Uh, yeah, it was like well, refreshing. Asking Jake about that when he's on. Uh, it will. It's oh, it's loading up. Yeah. Anyone that has not seen it on Netflix, Hollywood, hell of a show. I'm trying to think what else I've seen lately. I feel like I've said, oh, yeah. I mean, I loved Outer Banks. Have you seen that? 
I started watching it. I don't, I don't think I don't think you'd like that show. That's not a you kind yeah. of show. It's too cheesy for you, I think. <laughs> I watched like a few minutes and I was like, "This is some like." Yeah, I, yeah, 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 yeah. But, on there. yeah, no, I didn't even tell you to watch it, even though I loved it, because I knew that that was just not going to be your kind of show at all. Um, yeah, yeah, I haven't really been watching anything else. I was going to start watching my buddy. Barry recommended the show uh, The Pacific. Have you seen that on HBO? It's like uh, directed by Tom Hanks and Steven Spielberg mm. about like World War II. Oh, nice. Got to check that out. That sounds up it, my alley. Yeah, for sure. I was going to start watching that tonight, actually. See what it's nice. all about. Yeah. So, what are we at? Um, Is he coming in? Yeah, so we're just waiting on our guest, guys, for the viewers here. Who has the last name of the casinos? I mean, that, we'll that's be, pretty cool. Well, yeah, Dan Sands. Yeah, we'll be adding any second. You should tell him that, yeah. uh, you know, we're, we're getting close to dinner time here. You better better get his ass yeah. on our podcast. Yeah, I actually, uh, in my scrubs, you know, the thing I was talking to you about with the stuff. Yeah. The I have a talk with them at six o'clock. Nice. There he is. There we go. Mr. Sanders, what's going on, buddy? Not much. Good to see you. You too, dude. See, you were able to get the hair chopped. I love it, Dan. Well, I did it. It's starting to grow back. And, like, obviously, my not professional barber skills, I'm like noticing it's coming in like all different directions. How did you just do it? One morning, I woke up at Paul's, grabbed uh, clippers, like, from his brother's room, and just, like, went to town. And I'm like, oh, no. I'm did not, you cut I'm, his hair too? No, 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 no. I was long gone by the time he did that. I just noticed he's, uh, he's looking good. <laughs> yeah, man. Look, you sharp yourself, man. What's been going on? So you. you're back in the city? Back in the city. We should definitely hang out. Um, 100%. But yeah, back in the city, it's definitely different than being out in Jersey. That's for sure. But, um, you know. Yeah. Weather's good. People are on the streets. You know, it's it's starting to normalize. Yeah, it's starting to normalize. What's been a day in the life like for you, Dan, during the whole quarantine? How's it changed? I mean, I guess Jersey was so different than New York, right? Like in Jersey, you wake up, you know, there's a bunch of people out there in the house, so there's stuff going on. Um, and then here in New York, you know, you wake up every day, and your apartment is like very similar. And most of my business is on the West Coast, so kind of like not until noon do I start picking up with work. And then, you know, by uh, 5 o'clock, have a little drink and, oh, yeah. you know, move on with the day. What's your drink of choice, man, after like a long day? I mean, lately it's been tequila, but right right now I'm drinking a little scotch. Nice. Um, little Macallan, you know. Ooh. Yeah, drink the good stuff, you know. I'm not sharing it with anybody, so you know, might as well share the good stuff. (laughs) You gotta enjoy that during these times. So, Dan, tell us we were kind of giving uh, you an intro before you got on here. Dan and I were just saying how fascinating, you know, we've had to deal with a lot of contracts over the years in our business, and uh, we've always said how much respect we have for people with your foundation. Can you tell us? You know, as a kid, normally people don't have an ambition to go into law. Like, when did that spur up for you as a thing? Like, did you as a kid just have an inkling of, oh, I want to go into that field? Or was there an aha moment? So my father uh, is a lawyer. And um, when I was growing up, you know, as like a Jew from the Northeast, I basically was told by my parents, you know, you're either going to be a doctor, a lawyer, or go to business school. So um, definitely not good enough for math, for uh, business school or uh, being a doctor. So I uh, went the law route, <laughs> but um, wow. it was a good, um, you know, it was a good choice. I mean, I was a political science major, so there's really not much you're going to do with that besides go to law school or become a lobbyist. So um, and then where did you go to school? So undergrad, I went to Central Florida, Central Florida, and then. Uh, Law school, I went to University of Miami. That's awesome. You yeah, must have some party stories from back in the day in college. Yeah. In UCF, UCF, like people are finding out about it now because the football team is starting to, uh, you know, make some noise. But 
it's the second largest school in the country of like actually students that go there. There's over 70,000. So it was just a, it was a nuts place. Yeah, it was, it was wow. crazy. A lot of fun. What town is that in? Um, Orlando. Okay. Yeah. So Dan, were you ever, did you ever have the mentality of wanting to take the sports agent route? Like Miami law school, Joe Rosenhaus, like, was that ever a thing in your head? And that's what I wanted to do. Um, so I was, you know, a member of the entertainment sports law society there, and I wanted to be a sports agent. But um, pretty much nowadays, the way you become a sports agent is you are friends with one guy who can hire you or you know some players, and that's how you really get into it. Um, it's not the traditional how people think, oh, I'm going to go to law school, and now I'm, I'm going to get a job at an agency. You don't need to be a lawyer to be an agent. It's helpful right? Because mm -hmm. you're, you can look over contracts, but the big time agents, they have lawyers working um, and looking over those contracts. It's not the agents. They're just really negotiators. Okay. So, oh, I think that's always been a misconception. At least I always thought that, that you actually needed a law degree to be a sports agent. So it was that I think when the profession was really created by lawyers, it was, you know, you, you needed a lawyer to review your contract. And then the lawyers just started becoming sort of like, an agency type relationship where they would negotiate every contract and every marketing deal. So, you know, a lot of the agents have that background, but look, look at, um, you know, uh, Rich Paul, who's like the biggest agent now, uh, LeBron's friend, you know, it's like those guys uh, who know people are the ones getting those sort of agency jobs. And then of course there are law firms that specialize in, you know, like arbitrations for baseball and, uh, you know, negotiating marketing deals and, are reviewing the contracts and creating them for those deals. So, you know, they're, they're, besides being an agent, there's the entertainment sports um, law side, but it's very tricky to get into. You almost like, you know, kind of what your first job is at a law school is usually how you start your career path and what you fall into. Like mine but was an maritime law. Conventional route. You've kind of had a bunch of different things going on. Unconventional. My first job out of law school, I started um, working actually at a federal maritime law firm that represented all the cruise lines. And it was just a lot of federal litigation. And then I moved to a, a, like a boutique commercial firm. And that was where I touched on everything. And that's how I kind of got into what I'm doing now because I was getting such a diverse sort of um, legal background. And then I was more interested in building a book of business and and hustling and that carried me into you know private equity and investing and getting out of just a normal legal track so Dan, you worked so take dan and i through this your timeline after college you worked because when me and you met a few years ago you were working as the general correct me if i'm wrong here but you were general counsel for basically a guy in private equity that was doing mm -hmm. acquisitions yeah so it was um that I got into that get that job because while I was in Florida representing a um a you know fairly wealthy individual, he wanted to get into investing in cannabis. And he took me out to dinner one night and he's like, I have a crazy idea. If you think I'm crazy, you know, we'll have this nice dinner, don't worry about it. And he sits me down and he said, you know, I believe that this is like 2014. I believe there's no going back for cannabis in this country. It's going to be huge. I'll put up all the capital. Um, if you find the deals and handle the legal work, I'll give you equity in the in the company. So I was like 26 year old attorney, good at going to court, but hated it. You know, every day having to do that. So I jumped on the opportunity, found a couple of deals, and one of the deals we were in, the family office hedge fund um, that ended up hiring me was an investor in that deal. And when I guess he saw my work and what I was capable of doing, he kind of, you know, it's like offer you can't refuse uh, to leave Florida and come up to New York. And, and uh, he said, would you want to do that? And I was from here originally. So I said, sure. I jumped on it and I was a general counsel for that fund for almost two years. And then on my own with uh, my partner, we were starting to do well enough where I said, I don't want to work for anyone ever again. And I stopped uh, working for him. And now I just work for my own uh, private equity company with my partner. It's amazing. So, so take us through, what, what's the transition been like? Like, what's the biggest change for you that would you say has been a surprise 
has there been something where you've been like, oh, I didn't expect this to be this way? I'm working in private equity as opposed to... Yeah, like going off on your own, just with oh. like a, your day-to-day. Has there been a stark contrast in any ways? Yeah. Look, a great example is like here with COVID, you know, as businesses that we own and operate um, struggle, you know, once profitable businesses all of a sudden see, you know, a 20 from, uh, you know, 20% less in revenue. Now as the owner, you're, I mean, all the pressure is on you to keep everyone's job, to uh, keep your own income coming from it and reinvesting when you have to, to make it, you know, to survive. Mm-hmm. Because at the end of this, there's going to be tons of opportunity for the people who survived the companies and people who survived through it and keep going. Um, but if you don't do that through this time and like take, lick your wounds and, and roll with the punches, then, um, you know, you're just on your ass like everybody else. Well, Dan, can you attest, I know we talked a bit off of here and Dan, mm-hmm. me and you are in a business, luckily, where people need to eat and delivery right now is essential. But Dan, I was talking to you about the fact that you have a foundation that's really recession proof because your skill sets and necessity lawyers are always needed with your background with contract law when you think about i i can't even tell you how much money we've had to spend on that stuff over the years but it must give you peace of mind to some extent knowing that you're always able to plug yourself in to a business if needed um i feel very fortunate that my career path has taken me in a way where i kind of touch like every facet of the law so i can pivot and um you know be useful uh, but there, you know, for instance, you could go to Harvard Law School, get hired by, you know, the best firm in the country, and they place you in like one specific practice group, and that's the only thing you know how to do. See, there are lawyers out there that work for the biggest firms, make a million dollars a year. But if you ask them to, uh, you know, what should I do for my marketing contract? Well, they've been doing bankruptcy law their whole career, and they have no freaking clue what you're doing. Or too specialized, like in one. Yeah. Day. And, and think about it, like if you're specialized in something that like disappears because of a disaster, I mean, that's frightening. So I, I feel very, you know, fortunate that I at least touched kind of everything. So, you know, I, I know I'm not necessarily an expert in any area of the law, but I know enough in every area of the law to, you know, practice and give advice and, and be useful. That's awesome. So tell, dude, take us through your uh, your uh, whole cannabis business. Like, where do you see that going at this point? Obviously, you hit the timing on the head. I know Dan and I have mulled over that uh, with the delivery game a bit for the future. Take us through where you see the industry going. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's been very fluid. So we, uh, my partner and I have, have really focused primarily on hemp and CBD. And... Um, you know, a lot of people, when we started with that, you know, they thought CBD was snake oil and, you know, there wasn't enough money in it and focused on THC. And then in the past couple of years, there's been this huge hemp boom as it's been one of the first, uh, you know, really the first federally legalized type um, cannabis product. And uh, that's why I liked it from thinking from a legal side that that would be first since it doesn't actually get you high. Right. Um, mm-hmm. But at the same time, you saw the prices of CBD go from, um, you know, $7,000 for a kilo of isolate to $1,500 in one year. So um, the way I work, yeah, so where I really see it going is, you know, this CBD is really going to become a commodity and kind of already has. So there's not a ton of money in just being like a cultivator. You need to be fully vertical, have a... um, you know, product line, which we've done, we, we had a product, uh, two product lines that we sold. Um, and you also, um, I also really like the industrial hemp space because everything now, and you probably hear it in your industry as well is sustainability. You know, every industry is saying that word and cotton and fabrics, um, are any fiber product, you know, companies are transitioning to cheaper fiber. And hemp provides a cheaper fiber than cotton, right? You don't need to water it as much. Industrial hemp. Um, mm-hmm. So I really, yeah. So I really see a lot of these clothing companies, denim companies, starting to mix that, use that in their mixes, in their mixtures. And I think that's really the kind of the future. The big industry in cannabis will be like industrial hemp. And then of course, you know your THC products. Everybody will always need medication, 
and and they'll go for that but um does it, it it's still kind of like a murky legal uh area federally and i tried yeah, to stay away from it do you think this pandemic will help expedite federally legalizing marijuana isn't it funny how one of the first things they said was like an essential service were marijuana dispensaries but meanwhile no. um it's still federally illegal it's bizarre but Ridiculous. I definitely, I definitely think it'll get um, expedited, especially because of the economy. I mean, they're going to be looking for tax revenue, and yep. what you should do is like with any vice, just like tax the shit out of marijuana, and you know, allow everyone to be able to use it. And how about on that note, like DraftKings, Dan and I, before you got on here, we're talking about a bit of the stocks that we like. What are you? I mean, Dan, I know you're a sports guy. We always talk about we're going to play cards one of these nights. Yeah, what do you think about mobile gaming, Dan? Like the future of being able to bet on things on demand from your phone, whether it's a, you know, a sporting event or a game of ping pong, for that matter. I mean, it's huge in, in New Jersey. Um, how they legalize sports betting, and now everything is done through apps. You know, and, and especially trying to social distance. I mean, I don't know if you've been in a uh, sports book before, but that is seems like one of the dirtiest places you could ever oh, be in. Everyone's going to want to bet through the apps. DraftKings is great. Um, even I saw there was one deal that um, we were talking to a group that was doing um, like DraftKings style betting for like esports. Ooh, you know, that's um, yeah, yeah. So really awesome. I mean, yeah, it, gambling. All the vices are becoming legalized. Which is oh, we used to bet on simulated yeah. games. We were such degenerates in high school. Yeah. So there's clearly a, a need for that, right? Especially with this day and age. Yeah, I mean, there's everybody's kind of stir crazy. I think. Like, did you guys watch the UFC? Uh, Dude, I, mean, I, I missed it. Unfortunately, how was it? We were talking about. It. Yeah, I wanted to watch it. I missed yeah. it too. I I bet on it. I know nothing about UFC. I still watched it because like you need sports, you know. And so sure. I'm like, oh, a sporting event, fine. I'll pay the pay per view. I'll bet on it. You know, I wish I knew about UFC. Maybe I would have won the bet, but it was. Uh... I don't <laughs> yeah, I don't. But I'll take any sports right now. I'd watch like Korean baseball if I could get it on my TV. Lie, <laughs> you know, have you been watching that with the Michael Jordan documentary? Last night was great. It yeah, was, right? It was. Yeah. Yeah. That's been no, I mean, it's it's good. Everyone needs to be reminded how like great he was. I saw a tweet, someone was like, someone should tell Michael Jordan that Corona's better than him. And <laughs> he might beat it. Right. <laughs> yeah. It really is funny how I mean it's great seeing his competitive nature just hands on and just him talking about it, shooting the shit a bit. That's been cool to say. Dan, from a food angle, have you done any delivery throughout the pandemic? Like, what's been the routine with that? Yeah. Actually, uh, I just got some delivery. Nice. Uh, here. I got sushi, but then I thought about it, and I'm like, that's probably not too safe. It wasn't a good idea, but it was good. Nice. It had been so long since I had it. I was like, I haven't wow. had it in a while, man. Since yeah, started, actually, I hadn't either. And but man, sushi's good. Okay, well, you, you went through with that. I'll now I'll be safe getting it. I've had it a couple times too. Okay, nice. yeah. And then, I was I was just thinking, I'm like, well, probably food that's cooked would be the safest, right? Yeah. <laughs> have you have you and Carolina been doing a lot of cooking? But we were cooking way more at Paul's, like out in New Jersey. I saw that. You guys were whipping yeah. I was getting envious. It's crazy. Oh, at the same time, you know, Paul is like red meat every day. <laughs> yeah. You know, I I was like waking up and just like sweating, you know, like, <laughs> and, like I'm like, oh, this is so unhealthy. <laughs> yeah. Paul's a big red meat guy. But yeah, I saw you guys were whipping up a lot, barbecuing. And I had a great, you know. Great time out there. Paul was on your podcast. Before, yeah, right? he came on a few weeks ago. Got it rolling. It's yeah, been shout fun. out, shout out to Harbor AI. Yeah, uh, you guys. Yeah, Dan. Yeah. Dan's involved in that with Paul. Mm -hmm. Oh, nice. That's awesome. You know, things yeah. like that. You know, that's yeah. like uh, how industries pivot. I'm sure you guys talked about it. Yeah. I still have to look at the look at the podcast, but yeah, no, Dan. It's been cool how you've gotten your feet wet in a bunch of different things using your skill set as a foundation and now you're able to invest so it's cool yeah. how you've opened up a new chapter like that and uh 
yeah, man, pumped to see where maybe there's some synergies with all of us at some point down the road here. Yes, we, we definitely should talk about it. 100%. Dan, let me ask you before we get you off here, last meal on earth, what would it be? Ooh. You know <laughs> what? And I don't know if she can hear me, but actually Carolina, yeah. so my wife, uh, is Colombian, and her whole family are chefs, like her dad, her uncle. Really? They're all chefs. But because they were chefs, she would like have to cook, you know, at home for the family because they're working, you know, at night being chefs. She's actually like a phenomenal cook. And she makes this like Colombian chicken stew with like rice. That is just, it's the best. I, wow. you know, I, I think that's my last meal. She must be in the room right now. She's yeah. not. She's over there, but I'm, but you know. Hopefully, maybe, she hears maybe this. She can, maybe she can hear me. Yeah, I like that. Man. How about would there be a dessert with that? Does she make like a key lime pie to cleanse the palate? Or she's not a big dessert person. But can I add like to my death row meal like of a course. key lime pie? Okay, yeah, yeah. let's do that. Oh, are you a key lime pie fan? <laughs> I like it. It sounds like it'd be a good, you know, nice like cut with of acid chicken, for that savory yeah. stew. Yeah, That's good cool. call. Good call. Yeah. There we go, Dan. Cool. Dude, it's been a pleasure. Stay healthy and uh, let's get let's play poker one of these nights. Absolutely. All right, guys. Oh yeah. Take care. Thanks, Thanks for coming on, man. Cool. Nice. Should we wrap it up? Let's wrap it up. It's been fun. Uh, enjoy that delivery that's on the way for you. I will. I so literally just ordered it. Day, but yeah. oh, you mean what you got me for my birthday? <laughs> but you thought uh, I just yeah. saw you ordering food. <laughs> yeah, I literally yeah. just fin- I just finished an order like right as you said that. Man, since got there, man. <laughs> All right, I'll I love it. All right, peace. Bootstrapped in the trenches, yeah. making moves, going all out. Every day, handle business. You know that the hustle don't stop. Got my team, let's get it. Reviewing books and talk stocks. Steady, keep it moving. So you gon' wanna tune in. Get Lowdale, it's an app. Get local food on demand. Delivery right to your home. Everything in the palm of your hand. Took hard work and dedication. Come through, join the conversation. This is history up in the making. We just wanna be an inspiration. Hey, let's go.